With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSIN, the sports betting network. Good morning, everybody. Welcome into the Sunday edition of the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM with the former NFL GM Michael Lombardi. He's on the road in Arizona today. I'm Ben Wilson in for Stormy Bonantoni. Glad that you made it uh, safely amidst all the uh, some of the weather wreaking havoc in the Southwest, Michael. But you were able to look true, uh, you know, true devotion to the game. You're watching NFL Plus yesterday, watching all the preseason action. So I'm glad you're able to, uh, to to get you know get everything in as we watch the 11 games from yesterday and and as we lead the show today. Fortunately, we have good news as far as you know the big injury from last night, which was Isaiah Bolden and the Patriot Packer game that had to be stopped at the 10:29 mark of the fourth quarter. So he is uh, out of the hospital and. Uh, and, and fully responsive and everything, which is certainly a very good after how scary of an incident that was. It certainly yeah. gave us immediate uh, you know, callbacks to the DeMar Hamlin situation in Cincinnati last year. So that is where we start. Good news there for New England. They are going to alter, though, it sounds like, Michael, their schedule for next week, going to go back to Foxborough instead of straight to Tennessee. So that is a little bit of a wrinkle there, but uh, all, all good news there as far as the injury for New England. Yeah, they, they they stay tonight and they stayed last night in Green Bay. We'll head back to Foxborough. Great news on Bolden, who's really been a very nice surprise for them. He's a long, lean corner. You know, he gave up a big pass to Dobbs that kind of was ruled incomplete initially, then was ruled completed, uh, which Dobbs got his feet in. It was really a hell of a play by Dobbs, but he's really come along. So it's great to see that he's back and he's healthy, uh, and hopefully he can resume activity fairly short. I'll say this. I, I think it ends up being a blessing. I mean, the Patriots and the Packers went through two exhausting practices, and then they played their starters a, a lot, a little bit more than I expected in the game. I think they got a lot of work, and I think going against Tennessee probably might have been too much, and I think it's smart for them to go back. And what Matthew Slater said I think is true. Once Coach Belichick saw what was happening on the field, there was no reason to continue that game. That was enough, and Matt LaFleur agreed, and they went home. So applauding both those teams. Yeah, sm- yeah, smartly done by the league. You know, The betting stuff sort of comes secondary. You know, as, as, as any time you have some, something serious on the field like that, and so those bets, uh, since it did not reach 55 minutes, which is the gen- that's a consensus house rule for action needing to be completed. Those bets uh, all refunded from last night. Patriots 21-17. And for those of you watching us in Boston on Nesson this morning, you think about where you know, the, the big talking point we had, Michael, based on the joint practices yesterday on our show, was that you know, the offensive line for the Pats has been a little bit banged up, and you weren't. And as a result, you weren't sure how much we'd see of the ones. And you know, Mac Jones did take a couple of sacks, but at least from an efficiency standpoint, when he did drop back. It looked solid, even though it wasn't a whole lot of deep shots. Six for nine, 52 yards. What did you make of the offense, at least when it was the ones on the field there for the Pats? Well, I, I think the offensive line's a work in progress, right? So the right tackle's a young kid. He's from Eastern Michigan. He played guard in college, and they've moved him out to tackle. And he's, as Adrian Clem, their offensive line coach, says, uh, he's been somewhat inconsistent, but when he's good, he's been really good. Uh, you know, I think he's going to continue to get better. They've got a lot of injuries in their offensive line. And so they even had to move Bill Murray, who was hurt, and it was a former defensive lineman that was playing guard. They moved him out to right tackle because they're so depleted in terms of injuries. I thought when Trent Brown's out there, 
you know, they played pretty well. I thought Mac Jones was good. Finally, he got rid of the ball, was accurate with the football. He just missed Parker on a deep throw. Look, this offensive line's got to grow up in the next two weeks, and it's going to continue to do that. But there was some progress. Stevenson ran the ball in a big run. Uh, they just got to continue to be more consistent offensively. But I think these two young receivers that they got, Boutte from LSU mm -hmm. and Douglas, I, I think their receiving core, for all the conversation about them not being very good at receiver, I think they are. I mean, last night, Boutte and Douglas both looked like legitimate NFL receivers. Those guys combined four catches, 66 yards. Boutte had the 42-yard grab there for New England. So, mm -hmm. uh, And for the Patriots, I mean, defensively, which is believed to be the strength of the team heading into this season, Against the ones and Jordan Love of the Packers, there were three drives. Love was able to lead a touchdown drive on his last one, but that was after a lot of the ones came out for New England. And there was a aborted snap, fumble on the first drive for, uh, for Love and the Packers. But that was at least, a, even in a very small sample, Michael, an interesting insight uh, where you have Love and all these expectations for a first-year starting quarterback in Green Bay and how he looked against that uh, very good front seven of the Patriots. Yeah, and I think, you know, for Love, he just has to play within himself, right? So, like, he's got Aaron Jones, who he only ran the ball one play for six yards, and they took him off the field. Dylan, who's a really good back. But I thought the two receivers, he, the rookie receiver, uh, you know, made a play, got, you know, caught, had a touchdown pass in the game. So, uh, this Green Bay receiving core, much like the Patriots, is going to grow up as the season goes along. And, and I think that when you look at it, the Reed, I think he was a third-round pick this year. You know, he, he can make plays. Dobbs was really good. Watson was good in the practices. So I think eventually this is all going to come together. And I, and I think when you look at where they are, all, all Love needs to do is play within himself. Musgrave's a good receiving tight end. So they've got a lot of parts. Their offensive line's got to stay healthy as well. Now, Bakari sure. did not play last night. But it gives a chance to work some depth in their offensive line. And the Packers' defense <clears> – <throat> Look, I think the Packers' defense is really good. And like I said, I can't pronounce his name, but 55 is a legitimate rush guy to go along with Rashard Gary, to go along with to, to go along with all, Preston Smith. I mean, they really have a chance. And Luke Van Ness, really, this kid showed that he's got ability to really step up. So the Packers' front seven is really good. Sure. Kingsley Enegbare, two sacks and Kingsley a TFL. Enegbare. Remember that name, yes. And a lot of people are going yeah, to need the uh, pronunciation guide on, uh, on Enegbare. And, and you are right, though. I mean, the, the two second-round picks. Reed was an end-of-second-round pick out of Michigan State, and then Musgrave, the tight end out of Oregon State. I mean, early and often, Love was looking for Musgrave as sort of a security blanket. You talk about staying within yourself. I have to imagine if you're looking to, you know, whether that is uh, fantasy or single game player props this year from a betting, I would file Luke Musgrave's name away, especially early where there is going to be an emphasis for Jordan Love. All right, take the easy throw. Let's, let's not try to push the envelope too much as you work in, and get your confidence here to start the season because uh, Musgrave's a guy who has the ability to get open, had a couple of catches from, uh, from Love basically uh, right out of the shoot. Uh, let's transition to another one of our audiences. The Marquee Sports Network in Chicago joins us on a Sunday morning and uh, the Bears... It wasn't like either team, Bears or Colts, played a, a ton of starters. And head coach Matt Eberflus basically said as much where, yeah, that he felt like the joint practices almost counted as a preseason game or two in their own right. Uh, the bigger news, though, as the uh, the Colts end up winning the game 24-17 was uh, that the, the uh, owner, Jim Irsay, for Indianapolis, comes on the broadcast, uh, says a, a whole lot of stuff about the Jonathan Taylor situation. <laughs> the, uh, the main quote was, we're excited to have him back. I know these things are always difficult. I respect any time. People are trying to fight for their position, for their families. The biggest thing that I preach is timing is everything. And I know Chris Ballard's going to work hard on it and try to get the waters as calm as they can and go forward. Uh, that's sort of like, you know, if, if like hurricanes could talk. It's like, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we created this mess. We're going to we, we think it should be calm. But I mean, you know, we might have had a role in having it happen in the first place. You know, when I worked at the Raiders, I used to say Al Davis was like that boat that went through the wake zone at 80 miles an hour. You know, he goes through it really fast. He causes this stir, and then we're all left to deal with the waves. I think that's a little bit like Jim Irsay, too, right? I mean, he's the boat through the wake zone at 80 miles an hour, and then everybody else has to. What do you think Chris Ballard was thinking when he saw that Irsay was going to go on that show? <laughs> like, he had to be holding his breath yeah. and like, please, please, please don't do something that kill me. But I got the sense that Ursay softened his stance a little bit and that maybe they will try to compromise some way. Now, I'm not saying they're going to turn around and give them $17 million, but I do get the sense that maybe they will compromise and try to throw incentives. But here's the problem you get into as an executive for a team. If you redo a player's contract who has a contract, then everybody else is going to take the same tactic. 
right? And so what you want to do is you want to do what the Patriots did with Matt Judon. He was there. He was practicing. Okay, they reworked his contract. So it doesn't make it look like you've been threatened. And I do get the sense that the Colts will, and this is just a guess, just by Ursay's words and commentary, they have loosened. And Ballard's smart enough to know that, look, we're going to have to give a little to get something and move forward. But I was I was also surprised that Richardson didn't play in the game. I, I felt like even though he had a lot of reps during the week against the Bears, I think the more reps he gets, the better off it's going to be for him in the opening game. Certainly seemed bizarre that you have a, a quarterback who, from, from all that we've watched so far in the first preseason game, certainly looked shaky with the interception against Buffalo last week for Anthony Richardson. You'd want to give him as, as much, uh, as many yeah. reps as possible. I, I, I completely understand where you're, where you're coming from there. Bears-wise, Hard to take much away since not many starters played. I will say, though, in amidst the preseason where there's been a whole lot of special teams kicking issues, I think about Denver Broncos in particular with a couple of kickers who've been just horrific. And that's been kind of an un untalked about storyline, Michael, throughout the NFL preseason. But, I mean, Kyro Santos, think about where the Bears are at. They've, they've had issues in the past at that kicker position. It's been well documented, and uh, Santos has certainly looked uh, solid, very, looked very, very good, admittedly, on the indoor track there in Indy, but made a 50-yarder and was uh, perfect on the PAT. So at least for Chicago, amidst a division where you have to think there's going to be a lot of uh, close games this season, it at least helps that you feel confident in your kicking game. Yeah, and I wonder what their approach is going to be next week. You know, they, they, are they going to play their starters? Or most teams are just going to back everybody off. I mean, we saw New England's not going to practice against Tennessee, which I think is the right call. I think you got to try to get yourself ready. I mean, what most teams want to do is take these next two weeks, now that week two is almost in the books in preseason, is take, really, you have almost three weeks to get ready for the opening game. And, you know, play a lot of because you don't you don't cut players for another what nine days. They're not going to mm -hmm. cut teams down. So get all these young guys as many reps as you possibly can in that last game. See what you have in terms of depth and developmental players and then really work on the game plan. Work on preparing for the opening games, which is what I think most of these teams will do. So, you know, that that's what makes week three of the preseason now the former week four. We'll see what happens. And, the, and that's what I wonder what the Bears are going to do. I mean, they played fields very sparingly in the first game. So that means that's the only work he's going to get unless they decide to play him in week right. three. Not interesting just to see how that then impacts the betting markets preseason-wise because you and I talked about you know, how efficient offenses looked where the totals went 11 or uh, 10 5 and 1 in week 1 to the over so far in week 2 if you if you count the Patriots Packer game as just a void since that's what basically every sports book did 7 5 and 1 to the over so even though there was the adjustment up about 2 points you know, still a good amount of yeah. scoring the offenses did continue to look good as much as I was expecting that to maybe come down to earth a lot of games with a lot of scoring including in LA we'll talk about that next Jimmy Garoppolo makes his debut for the Las Vegas Raiders puts up a bunch of points at least the Raiders as a team do against the LA Rams we'll get your thoughts Thoughts there, Michael, on that game, as well as uh, what happened in the San Francisco preseason game as well. So much to get to. We'll tell you about our guests as well coming up. And we'll also preview a couple of games coming up today here on the Lombardi Line. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today and get a daily email recapping all the best bets from our show hosts and guests. You'll also get unlimited access to our VEASAN.com slash picks page, sort picks by sport, matchup, event, date, and more. Check the top VEASAN experts leaderboard to view betting records, profit, and ROI, and see which VEASAN expert has the hot hand for VEASAN Pro picks, betting splits, power ratings, plus 24-7 video access. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Sign up today for only $19 on your first month at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. As we welcome you back, it is the Lombardi Line Sunday morning edition. Welcome those of you watching us on Nesson in Boston, Marquee in Chicago, Masson in the DMV. Exciting show today, Michael. We'll get into the uh, two preseason games still to come on a Sunday today. They are still going to play, by the way, in L.A. Chargers game a little bit later on, uh, despite that tropical storm um, hitting, at least the reports here in Vegas. It's a little bit of rain. That's about it. Not, not too bad so far. We're, we're okay. We haven't had to batten down the hatches yet. Uh, but John McClain will join us from Houston. Longtime beat writer for the Houston Texans coming up uh, here in about a half hour, 1045 Eastern. We will speak about that Chargers game with Joe Reedy, AP Chargers reporter, coming up at 1115 Eastern. And it'll be great to have Thomas Gable, Sportsbook Director at the Borgata, back. Tell us how the, how the handle went yesterday and what we're looking forward to uh, here today. And uh, one of the games yesterday, you watched a good amount of it. Michael, the Las Vegas Raiders see Jimmy Garoppolo take some snaps in preseason for the first time and look pretty good. Four for four, four different receivers found on a nine play, five minute touchdown drive and boom, Raiders off and off and running, at least in the Garoppolo area, era, even though it is in the preseason and the Rams uh, certainly did not look like the, the personnel they were throwing out there was all that competitive. I think we got a Michael's uh, audio. We'll get that uh, squared away here in just a second. Uh, again, Michael, uh, remote from, uh, I think we got Michael. Michael, you got me? I think we're back. I think we're back. Yeah, that was my fault. I hit the wrong button. Anyway, the, I mean, when you break the Rams down, I mean, their team is so young and they've got so many young players that need the reps that need to do what they're doing. It, it's hard. Dude. Well, you can't really, I know the broadcast was talking about the ones and their twos and all that, but I mean, they're filled with just a bunch of guys that they've got to get to play well, whether it's Byron Young, whether it's Bobby Brown. I mean, their team is really besides def- and defensively besides Aaron Donald. I mean, who's going to play? And I think that's why Sean McVay played a lot of guys for the Raiders. Look, the Raiders didn't play their two starting tackles either in the game. You know, they're, they're trying to work their inside guards to see what they have there. Van Noten and Muti worked at the guard position, and they moved the ball. They were physical, and I thought Jimmy had a real good sense of rhythm and timing. Obviously, he was four for four, threw the ball really well, and uh, the receivers made plays. I mean, you know, when the, Devontae Adams only played a play and came out of the game. But the, the Raiders' execution this preseason – has been really good. I mean, when you look at it and you watch it, I mean, they've, you know, they're, they're completing passes. I mean, like I've said last year, you know, when, what you want to see with teams is their execution is, are they completing passes? Can they move the ball down the field? What's their execution like in the run game? And the Raiders have been really good. And for the Rams, I mean, this is going to be a work in progress. I mean, the Rams are all about, can they stay healthy, right? Can they stay healthy? Can Stafford stay healthy? That's going to be the key for the Rams because their defense will struggle year-round because they just don't have enough talent. Right. First two weeks of the Rams, 214 yards given up on the ground of the Chargers last week, 6.9 yards per carry. For Zamir White and Brandon Bolden, the two main running backs for the Raiders, averaged 5.8 yards per carry. And it just seemed like, when you know, from the, at least from the clips I watched, I didn't watch every snap like you did, Michael, but it was just 
and I'm, you're sitting there, you're like, well, I know it's not all the guy, all the ones out there, but it, like, how, how are you giving up just these wide acres of space when you're in an you're in an NFC West division where the you know you talk about the, the Seahawks and the 49ers around you, that is going to be a massive issue if you can't get anything anything going on the defensive front from a run run stopping perspective. I don't see how that's going to translate positively, and it's a big reason why you have that six and a half win total of the Rams. And as soon you know, if anything happens to Stafford, then all of a sudden that uh, that number seems like it is a dead under. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, Stetson Bennett came in and he threw an interception for a touchdown. So did Brian Hoyer threw one to them. But I, I think yeah, Stafford's health is going to be the biggest concern. And if they lose that, you know, if they lose that ability to uh, to protect him, I know they're going to play AJ Jackson at left tackle. They're going to move Noteblin into guard. But this offensive line doesn't have any depth either. You know, the, they're counting on Puka Naku, the receiver from BYU, to be there like. He's that they talked about him in the broadcast as if he was going to be the next Cooper Cup. We shall see. Obviously, he's had good camp and they're excited. But the offensive line, to me, the, the area of concern, if you're the Rams and why you might want to think about the under is because of the, the lack of depth. I mean, and it's going to show up in the kicking game. And it did last night as well. Yep, And no, no question. A lot of holes on the on the Rams offense and, and, and defense as well. And you look at quarterback Matthew Stafford. That is the one the one piece you can point to. But how much and how many games are you getting out of Stafford in 2023? Uh, as we continue on from the games that were uh, notable last night, as far as from coming back from injury, that perspective, we did get to see Brock Purdy quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Mm -hmm. so that was certainly, you know, a significant box to check off and it not not like the 49ers were running anything super exotic. They didn't have Christian McCaffrey in or Trent Williams on the offensive line, but Purdy goes four for five, 65 yards, did take a hit and looked all right, did, did take a sack in his limited action there, but it seemed like exactly what Kyle Shanahan as a head coach wanted, Michael, for San Francisco to at least get Purdy back out there, get 10 to 15 snaps and, and see the same efficiency that he, that he had for the bulk of last year when Purdy was in. Yeah, I mean, look, Purdy looked like he didn't miss a uh, miss a beat at all, and you know their offensive line struggled. Sam Darnold came in, he let him, he threw an interception, but also threw a touchdown pass, and then Trey Lance finished the game. Started really slow, came back and played better in the fourth quarter, and led them on the field. I think the biggest thing for Kyle was, you know, he's down twenty to eighteen, he's got the ball with about a minute, two minutes to go in the game, and they come back down the field. Ronnie Bell made some incredible runs after the catch, catches a screen, catches an inside route was really dynamic with the ball in his hand, give the 49ers another receiver. But more than anything, they, they were able to get Moody, their kicker, who was bad last week against the Raiders. They gave him a chance to kick a pressure kick, right? And, and, he, and he made it, and they won the game. So that, to me, has to make them feel really good. I mean, Ronnie Bell was sensational. He had seven catches for 114 yards in the game. And, but I thought it was clear. Purdy is clearly going to be the starter. And the way Darnold looked and the way Darnold moved – both both backup quarterbacks struggled with the protection. Lance didn't get sacked, but he got hit quite a bit. I think a lot of these teams, Patriots, 49ers, when they go to their third string offensive line, it's ugly. And even for yeah, San Francisco, we talk about how how good that team is personnel-wise across the board, but it's the line is still the one thing we're sort of wondering to see. And with some of the absences from from a season ago, you go past the starting five, and it does it kind of gets a little bit uh, worrisome. But yet another game in that Denver San Francisco game where. You had a big fourth quarter cashing over, and Denver, who's had a lot of kicking issues of their own, it was at least a, a big, big bounce back game for Brett Maher, who seem, you know, seems to have yeah. that, you know, that kicking job now in his grasp, but looked really shaky in the first preseason game. Uh, and you know, the offense, they played Russell Wilson a lot in preseason week one. He got a good amount of time uh, last night, three for six, 24 yards, was at, at least had some time uh, with the ones there, but uh, was, you know, he was a little bit more mobile in in this game last night had a 17 yard carry 25 yards rushing overall for Wilson and so certainly feels and has that sense like head coach John Payton he wants to see and you know, maybe and who knows what we'll see in week three right from the starters but he at least wants to get some continuity going in a preseason game setting uh, with Russell Wilson in his offense yeah I mean I didn't see Russell I mean Russell was was struggling with the protection there too that the offensive line where they put all their resources this offseason hasn't manifested itself so far in the first two preseason games where they're playing well and Wilson you know first play of the game you know he's trying to run boots I mean you could see Sean knows that we got to get Wilson moving right so the last two seasons Wilson's rushed for less than 500 yards whereas three years ago he rushed for more yards than the last two years so he's got to move around and he's got to make plays with his feet he 
had the 17 yarder for a first down, which is critical, right? You've got to be able to, if you're Russell Wilson, you're 5'11 in the pocket, you've got to be able to run for first downs. And if teams feel like they can play cover two man under against you and they can attack you that way and not worry about the quarterback running, it's a harder game on third down than it is even as hard as it is now. So I, I'm, I'm going to continue to watch Wilson. I'm not ready to say Wilson's back to where he was to 2013 and 14 levels. But I think Sean has a better understanding of what's going on and how he has to handle it. Mm -hmm. The concern you have to have for Denver is they got to get they play in some of their starters. I mean, Garrett Bowles was out there. They're playing some of their guys. They're just not playing as well as they need to play in the offensive front. Keep in mind that scramble too from Wilson. It was you know third and six play where you think about when Wilson was in his prime. Those are always the down to distances that just scared you to death the most. Yeah. If, if you were a fan of get, you know, watching your team face Russell Wilson with the Seahawks, or if you were betting against, like without a doubt. Third, like third and six and longer. You just knew there were so many different options, and that was, I think, the, the glimpse that Bronco fans and betters will be looking at. Team that is, you know, has been getting a lot of attention in the market, eight and a half on the win total this year. Like that's the sort of thing that can unlock the rest of the offense, and that was at least even in a you know a one play sample, a, a sign of things to come potentially for Wilson. Yeah, that, that's what he needs to do. He needs to show that he's willing to run and he can stay in the pocket and take the hit. You know, when you watch these games, I mean, like the Raider game we talked earlier about, Aiden O'Connell was sensational, right? I mean, Aiden O'Connell stayed in there. He, he throws a strike and gets hit when he throws it. That's the thing you want to look for. Will the quarterback stand in there and take the hit and make an accurate throw with a guy coming down his face? And that's the one thing Russell has not done. Russell hasn't climbed the ladder in the pocket. He's been trying to go right and left. And I think that's what they're trying to work on. And those two uh, preseason games we just mentioned, we'll see the AFC West battle in week one, Broncos and Raiders. Broncos about a four, four and a half point favorite in that one. Uh, as these two teams continue to make their preparations towards week one of the regular season. We'll talk about one other preseason game from last night. I want to get Michael's thoughts on Tua Tagovailoa coming back from Miami, and we'll preview the two games still to come today in the NFL preseason. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Throughout the NFL preseason, the VEASAN experts are busy evaluating every team to give you the betting edge. Our updated NFL betting guide is due out later this month and will help you get ahead of the upcoming NFL season with picks from every on-air host, team-specific preseason analysis, how to use VEASAN betting splits, and football contest strategies. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today for as low as $19 and reserve your copy of the guide or take advantage of our football season special and get access to everything we do through the Super Bowl for only $199. You can sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe Sunday edition of the Lombardi line coming to you from uh, Las Vegas. I'm Ben Wilson here in for stormy today, Michael from Tucson, uh, Arizona. What do you have going on uh, this week there in, uh, in Tucson? You know, I'm going to spend some time around the Arizona Wildcats football team as they try to rebuild the program. Uh, they've done a great job in recruiting Delora the quarterback. Their offense has been really, it really been fabulous. And I think that this is a big year as they, let transition out of the Pac-12. So I'm going to spend a lot of time with Jet Fish, former Patriot assistant coach, longtime coach in the National Football League. So I'm here with that to watch them and enjoy it. So see, take a little bit of college football in and get to learn the landscape around the league. So yeah. when I'm on the when Saturday, when I'm sitting there talking to Matty Humans, I kind of know what I'm talking about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hey, we're six days away. Week zero in college football. Navy, Notre Dame. Under a week away now from uh, from Ireland next Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, a lot of buzz, though, for Arizona in, uh, in what's going to be an interesting Pac-12 football landscape this season. And again, the rest of this hour, we'll talk with John McClain, Houston Texans beat reporter, here in about 15 minutes. And I want to get your thoughts on that game, Michael. Dolphins and Texans from last night. More from the Dolphins' perspective because we did see quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. He throws an interception on his literal first play, so not exactly the start that he was uh, hoping to have. I guess the one, you know, the one thing I'm curious your thoughts on was the play where he does get, uh, get hit hard, takes a, a shot, and then there's all this talk about like, the jiu-jitsu training he's doing where he does this weird like turn-the-body thing to avoid uh, the head contact. And you know, it was good for him. He was able to avoid uh, you know, injury. But uh, is that really a sustainable thing you can expect going forward in an NFL game where the speed is just – it's clearly a different level than we're talking about in the preseason. I, yeah. I find myself a little bit skeptical just because he was able to get out of the way one time that that'll be uh, something long-term where we go, all right, guess two is playing all uh, all 17 games this year. Yeah, I think everybody takes the one one preseason games and manifests it out to the thing. I mean, look, you know, they ran an RPO. You know, he read it 
and he just didn't put, you know, he didn't put enough. He kind of lobbed the ball over there, and Perryman was able to make the interception for the touchdown. But, you know, the next drive, they go 97 yards down the field, and he takes a lot of hits in the game, but he made accurate throws, and, you know, he gave his, his receivers a chance to make plays with the ball. So, you know, I thought their offensive line held up pretty well, especially against a Houston front that was uh, that was good the week before. So that, that was encouraging to see if you're a Miami Dolphin fan. That, you know, they, they still didn't really want to run the football I mean that's not who that that's not who they seem to be you know in terms of their execution but I, I think when you look at it you know in two games they have called 64 runs which is way more than you would think they would have right that's 64 runs and uh, you know they got to be able to keep him upright I don't think jiu-jitsu is going to keep him upright so but for Houston you know I mean I thought Stroud under center Thought he was good, accurate with the football. It, it's just hard for them to kind of be consistently down the field. They had a chance in the red zone. They had it, after uh, the first series, you know, they had a chance to, to take it down the field and score, and they weren't able to do that. So, you know, for me, uh, it, they're, they're a work in progress. How good will they be? I, I think it's still going to be a work in progress for Stroud. It's going to be a mm -hmm. challenge. And, and I think you're going to see that betting line. If you like Baltimore, you probably should take this nine and a half. I think there's going to be more action on the 10 because when you watch Houston, Houston will play hard. They'll do all those things. But can they stay in the game in the 51st minute to the 60th minute? Yep. To me, I think that's when they wear down. And can they protect Stroud? I mean, everything's so easy in the preseason. Nobody's doing anything in terms of coverages. I mean, Matt LaFleur mentioned this in, in, in the postgame interview. They talked about how, you know, the Patriots really, the reason they wanted to practice against the Patriots is because Patriots do such a good job disguising coverages, which they don't do in the preseason. So that helps Jordan Love kind of read and look through things. What you're talking about, Michael, is on the uh, the Houston-Baltimore. That is week one for the regular season. Some books were at 10. I see basically painted down nine and a half. So those 10s have yep. been gobbled up. A lot of that came off of the Baltimore injury news where Marlon Humphrey likely going to be out for that game, undergoing foot surgery, expected to be out maybe the first couple of weeks of the regular season. Uh, so interesting to watch there. They, they, it does look like just a vintage, you know, 50-minute team, you know, to borrow a term you talk about all the time, yeah. Michael, at uh, 50 minutes. And, you know, C.J. Stroud was good on, you know, early downs and in, in sort of non-stress situations, 7 to 12, 60 yards. But as soon as things got condensed in the red zone, had the one drive where uh, got took the ball over at the seven-yard line of Miami and just wasn't able to do anything. So you kind of figure that's where some of the inconsistencies will come for Stroud and the Texans. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, by the way, did complete five of his last six passes after that pick for 61 yards, led the Dolphins on a 14-play, 93-yard drive. So uh, that, at least some positivity there for Miami. Again, we'll talk more on the Texans' front with John McClain coming up here in about 10 minutes. I do want to get into the, the games we still have uh, to come in week two of the NFL preseason. There's actually a game, uh, one game today. They are going to play in L.A., the Chargers and the Saints. There was some question about that game might maybe getting uh, axed because of the tropical storm uh, that is uh, coming into Southern California. But so far, reports have not been as bad as previously thought. Saints are about a three-and-a-half-point favorite. A uh, 37-and-a-half is the total. That's actually gotten a big move, Michael, in the last hour uh, to the under there between the Saints and Chargers. Uh, and uh, based on what we've seen in the past, not expecting a, a ton of starters to play, uh, really for, for either side. Remember, the Chargers had a big line move against them last week against the Rams and then end up winning the game anyway. So anything you're, you're really wanting to, to keep your ear to the ground on and, uh, and really wanted to watch out for there tonight? Well, I think, you know, when you talk about this game, right, I mean, the way the, the Saints came out their first drive of the week last week with Carr throwing the football, moving things around, you know, they look sensational. And, you know, now this week it's they're not going to play, so we're dealing with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill at quarterback. And what are the Chargers going to do? They, they're going to play, you know, they didn't play Justin Herbert in the first game, so you can't expect them. They're not going to play him this week. It sounds like he's not going to get any work in the Kellamore offense, and we're going to see Evan Stick and, 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 and uh, Max Dugan to play quarterback for them, the TCU kids. So that'll be interesting to see how they go through this way. And it sounds like a lot of the starters, and I think that's why the under is coming down, because you're going to have a lot mm -hmm. of, with the exception of Winston, I mean, you're going to have a lot of inexperienced at quarterback. Yes, open 37 and a half. This initially got bet up to 38 and seeing a, a big move right now. Odd screen in front of me, just uh, lighting up there, Michael, down to 37 or 37 and a half consensus. Saints, uh, Saints opened four-point favorites. There has been a little bit of charger money as the perception is Saints will not be playing as many of, as many starters as, as you talked about, as in week one. That is now down to three and a half. Uh, and then did want to take a couple minutes on the game for tomorrow since we have our DMV audience with watching us today on Masson where you have the 
uh, the battle in the Northeast with Baltimore taking on Washington. And it seems like this has been the most popular preseason pick within our, our little sports betting bubble, Michael. It's that the 24-game winning streak in the preseason for Baltimore is going to come to an end. They, they barely got the one-point win, did not cover his big favorites against Philadelphia in week one. Open three-and-a-half-point favorites, a game that is at FedEx Field Monday night football tomorrow. And it's now down to, I see some shops are at a pick em. Consensus Baltimore still about a point favorite, though, uh, in that road spot. Uh, you see it the same way here uh, with, uh, with Baltimore, clearly seeming to, to go with a different strategy than in years past under head coach John Harbaugh, not playing as many guys. Well, I mean, he's a little bit a little bit in trouble, right? Because he's got his team is not healthy right now. So he's going to have to play some of the backups and kind of preserve his starters, right? So, you know, we're not going to see Lamar. We're not going to see Beckham. We're not going to probably see, you know, uh, a lot of their off. Ronnie Stanley, we won't see him. So, you know, Zeitler, Morgan Moses, their offensive line. I think you're going to see Ben Cleveland like we did last week, which puts it in a little bit of a difficult situation. Whereas Washington, I think, you know, they're going to play their guys. I mean, they have to to play the guys plus the hostility that was going on between the two teams during the week you know there was a, a lot of fights a lot of anxiousness so look for me Washington's got to play their guys especially offensively they got to get some kind of rhythm they got to figure out who they are and they've got to get Sam Howe some co confidence as they go open up I know they start against Arizona which doesn't sound like a lot but again the speed of the game is going to be so much different and they're going to have to get this team ready to go right and I think that's it's going to start today. And I think everybody wants to be the team that that stops this Ravens win streak. Yep. But look, let's face it. When the Ravens, you know, everybody, uh, the Ravens don't do anything. I mean, they're not running reverses. They're not doing, they're just, their execution in the summer is always pretty good. And they have the greatest field goal kicker. I mean, a guy can make it all the time. So whenever they get in field goal range, they don't lose points. <laughs> yeah. Like we're watching around the league, you know, teams are missing extra points or missing kicks. That doesn't happen to the Ravens. Sure. No, and that's a yeah, big reason. It's not like they're not the perception isn't that oh Baltimore's just throwing out their starters and playing, you know, playing differently. It's no, it just the execution has been really high. From Washington, we're gonna do your blue chip offensive lineman top units a little bit later on in the show. Uh, not a surprise that there are no Washington commanders yeah. on that on that list. So Ron Rivera as a head coach named Sam Howe officially is the starter for week one. But how concerned are you just with the fact it's a guy with very limited starting quarterback experience and the offensive line on paper looks very, very weak there for Washington. Well, you know, they try to rebuild this offensive line in the offseason, right? So, you know, they, they basically, Charles Leno's still the left tackle, who was a problem last year for them. They signed Andrew Wiley. You know, they, they've got Nick Gates in there to play center. They moved Cosme, the kid they drafted in the second round in 21. They moved him into right guard. I mean, this is going to be a work in progress. Can Stromberg, the kid that they drafted in the third round uh, from the University of Minnesota, can he come in and play? I, I think there's a lot of questions. they got to play these guys. They've got good skill players. I'm just not sure they can block well enough. We always see for newly rebuilt offensive lines, those first few weeks of the season can be a, a big struggle. So take that in mind before you just blindly lay six or put Washington in survivor against the Cardinals week one. All right, John McClain joins us to talk some Houston Texans when we come back. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSEN, the sports betting network. Attention, BetMGM customers have a friend who loves sports as much as you do. Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $100 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $100 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $100 bonus as well. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. And offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older to wager. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Massachusetts, Mississippi, and Nevada. As we welcome you back, it's the Lombardi Line here on a Sunday morning. Joined by Michael Lombardi. I'm Ben Wilson in for Stormy today. Stormy and Chris enjoying their uh, their honeymoon. Congrats again to the uh, the newlyweds. Uh, it's hard to believe. A week ago, we were at the, had, had the wedding here in Vegas, Michael. So it was a great time I had by all. Uh, Stormy will be back uh, here net late, uh, later next week uh, as we welcome in John McClain right now. Uh, glad to welcome in John here, Michael, first and foremost, because there's, there's nobody who has had as much experience sifting through what is BS and what is reality in NFL preseason. <laughs> so I, that's, that's why I love getting John's perspective. And I will start with the game we were just talking about, John. Dolphins, Texans from last night, C.J. Stroud, 7-12. Uh, 60 yards. Uh, your your thoughts on first off, just the Stroud experience now through two weeks in the preseason. First of all, thank you guys for having me. Um, CJ Stroud struggled in his first game, two series. His rating was 17.7. He had an interception, took a sack. He should have thrown the ball away and they pulled him, uh, which was the plan. And in this game, first time they got the ball was on the seven yard line after an interception. He had to delay a game on third down at the one, two incompletions, including a miscommunication with tight end Dalton Schultz on fourth down. But then on the second series, he came in and he showed why they drafted him second overall. He was terrific. He was throwing timing passes to the boundary. He was throwing the quick slants over the middle. He was accurate. He got rid of the ball quick. He was five of six for uh, 52 yards at one incompletion in which Xavier Howard made a great play over the middle on a third down pass and they kicked a field goal and then he played the first half with the starters but the problem was their defense was awful and the problem they didn't get the ball back except once when you can't stop the run and the Texans have been pathetic against the run for four years in a row, including giving up 170 yards a game last year. One of the things D'Amico Ryans insists on is stopping the run. Well, they didn't. And I know it's preseason, second preseason game, but they were terrible. So Miami controlled the ball for almost 39 minutes and Stroud didn't get many opportunities in the first half when he played with the starters. But overall, he sh- he showed on one series uh, what he's capable of doing. John, Michael Lombardi here. Great to have you. Love having you. Love the history. I want to start off with a, a, a kind of perspective from you, right? We know the Titans are going to wear the Love You Blue Houston Oilers uniforms in Nashville. As a as a true Houston Oiler, you go back so far knowing this franchise. What was your reaction when you heard that they were going to put the Love You Blue uniforms on? That would be question one. And question two, 
Is there finally stability within the Texans organization in terms of knowing that D'Amico with a six-year contract isn't going to get fired after a year? Mike, let me go back to uh, I've known since the league meetings in March that they were going to wear those uniforms against the Texans in Nashville uh, in December, the week before Christmas. They're wearing them against Atlanta when they have their annual Oiler-Titan reunion. And so it's created such a controversy here. And I'm, even my own radio station here wants to run me out of town because I think it's great because I love those old Columbia Blue uniforms. <laughs> they, can never, they can never be worn here. The Texans are not the, the Oilers. The Titans are the Oilers. All the former players, I did a column on it. For our website, sportsradio610.com, in which I call Dan Pastorini, Bruce Matthews, Warren Moon, Robert Brazil, and they all love it. And uh, But the fans here, you know, the fire stoked by the media think it's disrespectful, it's terrible, and I think it's great. But I'm in the minority. And I know that what it means to those former players to have somebody wear their uniforms, it can never happen here. It can never happen by the Texans, so they're just glad to see it. It's the first time in 25 years they'll be worn. A lot of people forget the first two years in Nashville, they were the Tennessee Oilers, and they wore Columbia Blue. Then in 99, when they became the Titans, got their new stadium, new facility, new uniforms, Bud Adams always wanted uh, a Columbia blue is part of it, and I thought that made those uniforms ugly to have Columbia blue with their current blue, but Bud wanted uh, something as far as the past, so I'm fired up about it. I can't wait to go up there and see it, but it just infuriates people here. <laughs> as far as anybody who watched the Texans the last two years knows how poorly they were coached. Last year, they had the worst offensive coaching I've ever seen in this franchise's history, and it was obvious why David Culley and Lovey Smith were one and done. Now, around the country, people that didn't watch them, and why would they, are like, oh, my God, why would they do this? Well, those of us who watched it knew exactly why they did it. So they give D'Amico rides. He could have taken any. He was offered interviews by Carolina, Arizona, Indianapolis, Denver, and Houston. He canceled three. He interviewed with Denver. They tried to get him right up until the end, offered him more money than the Texans offered him, but he said it was his dream job. And because his wife's from here, they got married here while he played for the Eagles. He played here for six years. They have a home for wayward kids. They, they, uh, they built back in the pandemic, and they were building their dream house here. So he was fired up to get back. Fans are fired up. Uh, for the first, it reminded me, Mike, about uh, the first year of Gary Kubiak when he came back in 2006 to his hometown. That's how fired up people are. And they don't have any illusions of grandeur. They just want to see some progress over four, four, and three victories the last three years. It's hard for people to realize Texans have only been bad three years. They beat Buffalo in the playoffs in January 2020 and blew that lead at Arrowhead Stadium, then went straight down the toilet. So people would love to see him go from three to six victories, and that would be significant improvement. Yeah, no question. And you can hear it, by the way, John McClain mentioned uh, his radio show, Houston Sports Radio 610, John McClain. You can also follow it, McClain underscore on underscore NFL, longtime uh, beat writer covering the Houston Texans. And I think back to, you know, it's interesting you bring up the 2006 season because that was uh, after the Dom Capers era. Texans had won just two games in 05. And so expectations were, were very, very low. And Kubiak came in, won six games, which was seen as at least a step in the right direction, started the turnaround there for Houston, and I bring that up because win totals at six and a half for Houston this year. Now in 2023, we get the extra game now, 17 game schedule. So uh, over is plus 110, not expected to go over that six and a half. But considering the upgrades made at head coach, how quickly do you view at least some improvements being shown, John? And is it enough to say, could this team possibly even get to a seven wins as far fetched on paper as that might seem? I don't. The schedule is a lot easier than last year when they played the NFC East and AFC West. They play the NFC South, which is bad as the AFC South. You know, these two divisions are terrible. And um, they, uh, I think a lot of it has to do 
of course, with injuries. But C.J. Stroud's a rookie quarterback. We all know the rookie quarterbacks are going to struggle. Gary Kubiak, when he won six games, he had David Carr in his last year, and they struggled offensively. And and then when they got a veteran, Matt Schaub, they started to show progress here. They sink or swim with Stroud. Their third overall pick, Will Anderson, who had a great sack in the uh, game yesterday, a strip sack. And they still have first, second, third-round draft choices next year. People think they're destitute after the Will Anderson Jr. trade, but uh, they have a lot of good young players. It's the third year of Nick Casario's rebuild. Mike, you know Nick very well. He was told to tear it down, Mm -hmm. start over. He has done that. He has final say, control of everything has to do with personnel. The uh, McNair family loves it. They always stay out of decisions. They want to know what's going on, and then they let the guy they hired make the decision. If he makes enough bad ones, he's gone. If he makes good ones, he'll get an extension for even more money. They gave him a six-year contract. So uh, he and D'Amico Ryans are going to be a pair for a while. And uh, but they still need another off season before anybody can even use Texans and the P word in the same sentence. Great oh, way to phrase best, it, John. John, you're the best, John McLean. We appreciate you so much. Yeah. You're the best. My pleasure, guys. Keep up the great work. Thank Absolutely. You. Thank you, as always, John, for giving us some time. Give him a follow again. McLean underscore on underscore NFL as we wrap up our first hour on the show here on the Lombardi line. Stay with us, though, because up next, no way or no doubt. We have a bunch of topics to throw at Michael's way. We'll also break down blue chip offensive linemen individually and units this season. We also will uh, talk more on the Chargers front as well with Joe Reedy and Thomas Gable joins us as well in hour number two. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.